Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. We are currently in a series on issue one in the kingdom of God. And I want to read uh, something. I want to actually go back to something Pastor Dwight shared last week. He made this statement. He said, issue one in the kingdom is God's heart that none should perish. That's issue one. And as you already know, uh, the most well-known scripture in the Bible, John chapter 316, states that. But I want to read it in the Amplified Version because there's just there's some extra sauce to this verse. It says, for God so greatly loved, I love this, and dearly prized the world. Do you know that's not past tense? That is present. He dearly prizes the world. He dearly loves the world. He loves the world that sometimes we're afraid of. But he loves the world. He dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only son, that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment. How many of you know Peter says that God is slow as some people do not seem deem slow, but he is faithful, patient, waiting for people to repent. God is the prodigal father waiting for people to return. And there can be moments in our lives where we're like, God, there's no way that you could save that person. You don't know his patience. You know his patience. He's he's waiting. So he did not come to initiate the final judgment, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, I want to read verse 18 because this is where there's some extra things we need to pay attention to for the sermon this morning. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord, listen to this, is not judged. That is to say, he is no longer to be judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, and no condemnation. Romans, Paul said this, Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Now, the moment someone says yes to Jesus, regardless of your analysis of the sincerity of the yes, there's no judgment, there is no rejection, there's no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject him as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. Do you understand that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are telling people when they put their faith in Jesus, you're going from judgment to no longer judgment. So what that means is that if there's judgment that we are putting on people after they said yes to Jesus, we're missing it. Because they're going from judgment to no longer judgment. He's judged already, and that one has been convicted and sentenced because he's not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son. So this morning, I want to revisit issue one, and we're going to revisit issue one again next week because it's issue one. 
There's something wrong with the church if we can't talk about the importance of the gospel and evangelism because we're past that point. We get it. Some, of, some people are like, okay, I've read for, uh, John 3.16. I, I have it memorized. It's the only verse I got memorized. And we get it. But do we get it, Pastor Dwight? It's issue one. And so I, I want to go into this again. And to do that, I want to show you a video. We've actually got three video clips today. That's why I'm Micro Machine Man in the message today. Lord willing, they work. Because my message is kind of based on it working. But I want to show you this first video clip, and then we'll go from there. So check this out. While working on a show on TLC called Miami Inc., she later on went to, on to do another show called LA Inc. And though she was highly successful, behind the scenes was an entirely different story. In her own words, she said that she was a full-blown full alcoholic and drug, drug addict. She stated that her depression was what led her to her addictions, and in her desire to fix herself, she later turned to meditation, new age, yoga, nature worship, spiritualism, and ultimately witchcraft. Let's just stop right here and acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of people that are just trying to fix themselves. They're just trying to fix themselves. They're not demons. They're not evil. They're broken people that don't know there's a solution beyond themselves that can actually help. And so as a result, in their hopelessness, they think it's all on them to try to have to fix themselves. So she turns to these things to fix, her, fix herself. These practices, however, did not really help her. She said that they were short-term band-aids on a sinking ship. After years of battling addiction, she was able to get clean and sober by following the AAA, or AA program. But even in her sobriety, she still struggled with depression. And so she said, I was sober for a long time, but I didn't feel like I got free from it all until I found God. And so on October 3rd of this year, she posted her baptism video on Instagram because she wanted all 9.7 million followers to know that she has decided to put her faith in Jesus and she wanted to go public with it, and public with it she did. It's been viewed over 9.4 million times. Now you would think it would be safe to assume that posting that video would be met with a uniform celebration of her conversion from the Christian community. After all, Luke 15, 7 says, What joy there is in the presence of God over one that comes to repentance. But if you thought that, you would sadly be mistaken. I want you to watch this next video where she talks about what she received from the Christian community after she posted that video. I, do, I, I, I got a lot of criticism after... I posted that baptism video, and um, I think that, like, Christians, um, you know, when you do that, you don't realize how much harm you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I would look at a lot of the comments that I got, um, and it they were really cruel and very, very um, annoyingly holier-than-thou, 
And I, I would look at some of them and say, okay, let's look at like what is to be gained from this comment? Like who does it help like to be a know-it-all? Like who does it help? Does it help me? Does it help all my other followers following and and like witnessing the the judgment and the criticism and 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 definitely of not knowing the other person, you know, like everyone's like, oh, well, she's a baby Christian, so, you know, you should get cut her some slack. It's like, I'm not a baby Christian. I mean, I, yeah, I just recently got baptized, but, like, I'm not, like, this didn't happen yesterday. Like, I have an understanding of, of a lot of the things that people are talking about. Like, for, you have no idea how many DMs that I got from, like, other goth kids that are in the same boat as I was. They're going, man, I'm at this crossroad, and I want to go back to church, but, like, um, I don't have a church to go to, or I feel like like even within my own family unit people have like i'm an outcast and uh, like and i'm trying to make my way back to jesus but like these people you know like thank you for doing that you know the the amount of like critical christians on my instagram now have become such a a turnoff to people who are actually seeking god that like i had to just block and delete like even if it's good stuff i just like if people talk about i just this is not for you, you know? And it's like, you end up pushing people away. And like, the one person that I think about through all this is my husband, you know? Because when we got together, we were both not Christian, you know? We got married, and then he's really helped me, without knowing, find my way. And he's not necessarily on the same page. I mean, in some ways he he is, you know, he's very supportive. We go to church together, you know, every, every Sunday. My he always supports me. We pray together. We do, but there's parts of him that's still questioning. And, like, after that, getting so much grief from people that spilled over into my, my husband, he was like, I remember the next morning, he was like, babe, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, and, and it, like, I'm trying not to get emotional because it's like, I've been working for years, like, trying to, like, lead by example and share what I, you know, the the step my own stepping stones with him to like hopefully one day he can come to me and say hey guess what like I've given my heart to Jesus that hasn't happened yet but when you when you have like an entire community of people like attacking you like man like you're you know not to say that my husband is like you know going to do something based on a comment on Instagram but when it's getting amplified so much like yeah. it turns people off you yeah. know but to somebody to like rain on somebody's like I mean like you don't you it's so looking for something it's so crazy but you know I I also I'm not an idiot I knew that when I posted that video that people would have questions and I also knew like the moments leading up to it it wasn't like um it wasn't planned you know I strategically like um you know I I I hired a camera guy you know I wanted to to me this I've been documenting my life since I was 20 and I this was one of the most important days of my life like I want to document it just like I would document my wedding you know and to share it with with the world it was intentional you know it's like I've um I mean there there's there's the symbolic gesture of baptism but there's also a part for me is like a bit of a making amends with with my followers because um for so many years I've been putting out a certain message that um, that makes me sad that I was ever even a part of, you know? And so to, to like, publicly proclaim this was um, was me setting some things right, you know? And th- this, this is for me, you know? It has nothing to do with um, 
you know, my church isn't involved in that thought process, you know. I think that the, the, the more meaningful changes, like, happen, uh, at least for me, was, I mean, they're just groundbreaking changes that happen internally, you know, and that's what people were like, there's, like, one annoying comment that people put, and I, I know it's um, regarding a verse, something about, like, show me the fruits or whatever, like, um, like we'll, we'll, see, we'll see if she's really Christian once we... Sh- the her tree shall be known yeah, by yeah, its fruit. Yeah, yeah and that, I'm like, block delete. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I, if you would have known my heart and mind before and to where I am now, you would be like, your mind would be blown. Like, I feel like I'm the best wife and the best mother I can be now because of the changes that I've had. I mean, there's been it's like a deep programming that has taken place. Things that I used to find attractive are, are disgusting to me, you mm. know? And it's like, like um, I wish I could put into words like how amazing those changes are yeah. that, I, that I've been able to experience through all this. And it's yeah. so cool. <clears throat> now, it's really quiet in the room. That video made me so angry. It made me frustrated. It made me sad. On the one hand, I was absolutely excited to hear that the criticism hasn't killed her. And I was excited to hear about the transformation that she shared. But on the other hand, I'm mad about the, uh, the amount of criticism and backlash. Because once again, how does this happen? This happens because we forget about issue one. We lose sight of issue one. Going back to John chapter 3, verse 18, whoever believes and has decided to trust in him is no longer judged. For this one, there's no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. Why can it be that we tend to meet conversion with conspiracy? Why do we tend to meet conversion with conspiracy? Why do we tend to hold new believers to unrealistic expectations? She went on to say this. I didn't share this point, but she said, I'm not removing my tattoos. I'm not changing the way I dress. This is who I am. And you may think all of the black is demonic. This is just who I am. But like she said, the, the bigger changes are what has happened on the inside of me. The transformation that has happened on the inside. Why does it seem at times that believers can respond in moments like this? Because that's what happens when God's issue one no longer is our issue one. When God's issue one is no longer our issue one, we tend to criticize, critique, critique, and condemn what we're supposed to have compassion for and be celebrating. Can I say something? When people get baptized, there should be a standing ovation that a pastor doesn't have to say, let's stand up. When someone comes to Jesus, we should have to quiet you down to continue on the service. But the problem is, is when God's issue one is no longer our issue one, we have to be provoked to be doing what we should be celebrating already. 
In that same interview, she said, if these Christians genuinely cared about me or my husband, instead of picking me apart or my husband apart, I would hope you would just pray for us instead. Because it's already hard enough in real life to live through a lot of this stuff already. In other words, I don't need to be burdened down by this new family who's now criticizing me. It reminds me of what Jesus said about the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Jesus said, these Pharisees lay heavy burdens on people's shoulders, but are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. They shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for they do not even enter in themselves, nor do they allow those who are trying to enter to go in. Every church has a choice to make. The choice is, will we either have compassion in celebration or move on to condemnation, criticism, and critique? Let me remind you of a prophetic word that was shared in 2018, which is why an issue one series matters so much. This word was spoken over our church. God is going to bring in lost people to this house. There are lost people who have been assigned to be in this house before the foundation of the world. Now, that's not scripture, but if that is prophetically accurate, that means that Redeemer's church was on God's mind, and all of his bride was on God's mind before the foundation of the world, and that lost people would be designated and sent to different places. God is calling this church to get prepared for the lost. He's not waiting for them. He's waiting for us to be able to, dis- to steward them well from birth to development. Redeemer's Church is destined to be a place where lost people find their home, and it's our job to be able to receive them well, which means we have to choose compassion and celebration over criticism and condemnation. Never forget a time where uh, we were in youth, and forgive me if I've shared the story before, but I was a youth pastor, and we were having a youth leaders meeting, and we were, this was several years ago, and we were talking about a particular student in the youth ministry that just started to come, and they were um, a nuisance. They were uh, making a lot of noise, being distraction during the sermon, not listening enough to the sermon, not listening listening enough to the message. And uh, the problem was is that the criticism lacked understanding, which is more often than not the case. You want to know one of the solutions to choosing compassion and celebration over criticism and condemnation? Spend the time to know somebody. And if you don't know them, shut your mouth. Because you don't know. What I knew is what they didn't know. I knew that this particular individual went home every single night, went into a bedroom with no furniture, a pillow and a blanket, and slept on the floor. That was their life. They didn't have furniture in their room. But your complaint is that they're not listening to the message enough. Maybe they're not listening enough 
because they don't get enough sleep. But when you don't know and you just judge, you criticize and condemn. And I said, <clears throat> let me just share something. I really don't care if they're not listening to the message because here's the truth. They've got bigger issues in their life than whether or not they can sit still for 35 to 40 minutes. Don't laugh. I know, because you're like, you're always longer than that. But they got bigger issues in their life than that. Maybe it's because they don't have furniture. So the next time you want to complain and criticize, how about you put your money together and buy a mattress? And then we'll talk. We have to be willing to take the time to get to know people before we're so quick to criticize and condemn. So how do we lose sight of God's issue one? How do we prevent ourselves from choosing criticism and condemnation over compassion and celebration? There's three reasons that that happens. Number one, our knowledge makes us prideful. Our knowledge makes us prideful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 1, knowledge puffs up. He goes on to say, he said, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Which means you can either choose encouragement or the condemnation. Puffs up. Knowledge makes us prideful. It is a human tendency for knowledge to make us feel more self-important than we really are. You know, amens are a dangerous thing. <laughs> They're a dangerous thing. Because they will make you think you know more than you really know. It puffs you up. It's a human tendency for knowledge to make us feel more self-important. Knowledge can puff us up. And the more we come to know in our faith, the greater a tendency we have to elevate knowing more above reaching more people. We want to go deeper. We want to study more. We want to have revelations and rhema. But here's my question. What purpose does it serve to go deep if it doesn't mean loving people more? It doesn't matter. You can go deep and we can have all the deeper conversations and we can talk about revelation and rhema. But if it does not grow your love for the thing that God loves most, it doesn't matter. We can elevate our love for scripture above people. Love for knowledge and revelation. And here's the truth. Depth can become a substitute for reaching more people. Let me tell you something else. If you never use what you know to reach people, there will never be enough revelation to satisfy you. Spiritual satisfaction never comes from being filled when you're already full. It comes from being filled after you've emptied yourself. And you empty yourself by pouring out your love in a pursuit of people. Not more revelation. I think this is the truth about the American church. We are so oversaturated and overeducated. Don't tell me you can't, you don't know how to talk to somebody about Jesus. My God, Google it and you will have two billion searches that will give you every step in the book. So what that tells me is that education is not the problem. Passion is. 
Passion is the problem. We already have every equipment in the book, but when you're hungry, you figure it out. We treat evangelism like I don't know how to put a PB&J together. You're not hungry enough. You'll figure it out. You'll figure it out if you're hungry enough. But we, we elevate knowledge above reaching people because it's easier. It's just easy. It's like liking a Facebook page and saying you're following someone. Can we be honest? It's just easier. Knowledge puffs up. Let me remind you of what 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 2 said. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, this is the amplified version, for others growing out of God's love for me, then I become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. Did you hear what Kat said? The annoying know-it-all She said, I, I didn't add this, but she said much of the criticism was because the way she got baptized wasn't the right way. She said she got comments because her, her hands were still above the water. And technically, you have to be fully submersed. She said, I weigh 150 pounds. I have a frail old pastor. I'm just surprised he could keep me up and not fall over. <laughs> But I wasn't fully submersed, therefore it doesn't count. Get a life! She said it wasn't real because it was a publicity stunt. What? Can I tell you something? You either choose compassion and celebration, or the default is criticism and condemnation. It's one or the other. Knowledge puffs up. 1 Corinthians 13. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. You know what that means? If you don't have love, you're nothing, and nothing doesn't have an opinion. Knowledge puffs up. Number two, distance creates disconnection. Distance creates di disconnection. Criticism and condemnation rise when there's no relationship. This is why people are so highly critical of celebrities. I don't really care. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not reading people every week. But we criticize, we don't, we don't know. We don't know what's happening. We read the tabloids, we read the newspaper, we, if we even read the newspapers, the magazines, we see all these pictures and we're like, oh, we don't know. So everything is an assumption. Distance creates disconnection. The longer we follow Jesus, the greater tendency there can be to become disconnected from the world. We tend to isolate ourselves, preferring to be sheltered within our Christian community from the world that Jesus called us to reach. 
Jesus called us to be in the world, but not of the world. The problem is that we are in the world, often trying to live as far away from the world as possible. It's like, if I'm here, you stay over there. Don't, this is my bubble. We have to be willing to live within the tension of being separated from sin, but not separated from the world. We have to live with that tension. We have to be, hey, we have to be able to go to the bar and not have a drink. We have to be willing to, to surround, to go to the places where there are prostit prostitutes and things that are going out on, but we're not partaking in it. But what we do is we distance ourselves. John 17, 15, and 18, let me remind you of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, I keep them there, just preserve them from the enemy. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. You know what happens when you get saved? The moment you begin to follow Jesus, he sends you back into the world you were saved from. It's not like you've entered into this new wide open space. You're like, praise God, I've arrived. And he's like, this is where you're supposed to be. You don't come into this new community and totally insulate and isolate yourself from everywhere else. He says, you're in the world, but not of the world. I'm sending you the way, the same way that God sent me into the world. Here's the danger that comes from being dis so disconnected. We begin to fear what we no longer understand, and as a result, we begin to demonize the people that Jesus came to save. Do we know that not every lost person is evil? <laughs> lost! There, do we know that not every person that doesn't follow Jesus is not vehemently opposed to God. Do you know every lost person hasn't chosen to be rebellious to God? They're just lost. And they're looking for solutions the same way that Kat Von D had in all of the wrong places. Why do we lose sight of God's issue one? Because distance creates disconnection. Number three, we become more focused on defending our faith rather than reaching more people. Do you know Jesus doesn't need you to defend him? Do you know that when Jesus was accused by Pilate, he didn't even open his mouth to defend himself because he doesn't need your defense. He doesn't need you to sustain his reputation. He's fine. He's okay. But we can approach the world like we are crusaders, here to defend the faith rather than reach more people. The emphasis becomes more on protecting 
our Christian freedoms, defending our Christian rights, and preserving the kingdom of God rather than expanding it. We do this because we think Jesus and his kingdom needs to be defended and protected. So rather than expand it, we just try to sustain it. We try to protect it from the evil people out there that hate us and want to destroy it. He doesn't need your defense. Check this clip out. Rabbi. Ah, you couldn't wait, could you? Well, sorry, we just uh, wanted to clear a few things up, if that's okay. By all means. The Jewish boys are far from home. Yes, as a matter of fact, we are. Shalom to you, too. Here's our traditional Jewish greeting for you. Don't slip the feet. That was a warning. Try it again and see what happens. Quiet, Big James. Shalom to you, too. You filthy dogs! I said quiet. Let us do something. And what would that achieve? Defending your honors, they reviled and humiliated you. They deserve to have bolts of lightning rain out and incinerate them. Yes, fire from the heavens. Fire? You said we could do things like that. Say the word and it will happen. Why not? We knew we couldn't trust these people. We shouldn't have come here in the first place. They don't deserve you. Why do you think I had you work Melek's field? What was I trying to teach you? To help? You think it was just to be more helpful? Or to be better farmers? It was to show you that what we're doing here will last for generations. What I told Fotina at the well, and what she then told so many others, it's sowing seeds that will have a lasting impact for lifetimes. Can you not see what's happening here? These people that you hate so much are believing in me without even seeing miracles. It's the message, the truth that we're giving them. And you're going to get in the way of that because a few people from a region you don't like were mean to you. That they're not worthy? What, you're so much better? You're more worthy? Well, let me tell you something. You're not. That's the whole point. It's why I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rabbi. As we gather others, I need you to help show the way. To be humble. We will. You wanted to use the power of God bring down fire to burn these people up? <laughs> well, it sounds a lot worse when you say it that way. <laughs> you too. You're like a storm on the sea. When our passion for God 
becomes anger, frustration, and hatred towards the people that God wants to reach. We've lost sight of issue one. Why do we lose sight of God's issue one? Because we get more focused on trying to defend our faith and preserving the kingdom rather than expanding it. Will you stand with me? I want to explain as we close where this series came from. We've been trying, we've been playing off of the the ballad in November in Ohio of issue one and issue two. Pastor Dwight actually brought that up last week. Issue one is that God's heart should none, uh, that is that none should perish. And issue two is that God needs his people to be his mouthpieces to tell everyone and everyone about the love of Jesus. And we were in a staff meeting on that Tuesday and we were praying about issue one and issue two and the things on the ballot. And as we were praying, I just started to get increasingly more frustrated. Was not getting frustrated at all by the prayers that people were praying in our heart with everything we were doing. What I was getting frustrated about was the reality that often in the kingdom of God, we try to put so much more on politics to provide solutions than just being active and doing what we're supposed to do. Let me, let me just read. We, we look to politics to make more people Christian in their morals and values. We want our politicians to put policies into place that support our values. We want to feel safe and supported in our freedoms. And I was getting frustrated because I was thinking about how much responsibility the body of Christ can shift to the political realm to try to force people to have a change of heart through legislation rather than through the gospel. And so we closed our time of prayer, and I shared my frustration. I was sharing about how when things don't go the way that we want, guess what? We wake up tomorrow, and there are still people that need to be reached. In some ways, my concern is that the moment we get legislation or a candidate in place, we take a break. It's like, I can breathe for the, um, the length of this term, or I can breathe because we think we got something done, and the, dis- the truth is that it is a distraction from issue one. It's like we got something done, we celebrate it, and then we just sit and do nothing. It doesn't change the mission. And I just shared, you know what, tomorrow, whether this, this is approved or not, we wake up in a world where people still need to be reached with the love of Jesus. And our mission doesn't change. And it was at that moment that Pastor Dwight chimed in and said, that's issue one. And we all had an aha, and a series was born. <laughs> but here's the, the point. How quickly can we get distracted from the priorities of the kingdom? How quickly we can become critical and condemning instead of having compassion in us and being a celebrator? We have to keep the main thing the main thing, which is that God's heart is that none should perish. That needs to be our issue one, not just God's issue one. And if our prophetic word is true, that means he's waiting on us to be ready 
to receive people well. Can I tell you, those three things are actually what the Pharisees were famous for. Don't underestimate the reality that over a certain course of time of following Jesus, you can become as religious as the Pharisees became. It just creeps in. It can creep in and you can become legalistic and condemning and critical instead of being someone who celebrates and has compassion. Has that happened in you? Have you found yourself having those tendencies? You just, I'm not saying, it's not an us, them here. This is me too. One of the reasons why I love LifeWise is because it keeps us flexible. We're bringing these, we don't have any idea about the backgrounds that these kids are in. What, we have to capitalize on the spaces that we have to be right in the middle of it rather than just running away because the default is we become condemning and critical rather than celebrating and having compassion so father in this room this morning in the same way that Kat Von D talked about the transformation in her, in her heart. God, I pray that you would transform hearts. Lord, that you would, you would remove any of those tendencies that have risen up on the inside. Where we found ourselves being puffed up in our knowledge. Where we found ourselves distancing ourselves and becoming so disconnected from the world we used to live in where we found ourselves defending our faith, being crusaders for the cause, rather than reaching people and sustaining that compassion. God, I just pray that you would awaken inside of us a deeper passion for people, and that would be our priority. God, the neighbors, the strangers, the co-workers, anybody and everybody, I pray that we would see them as assignments, not just people in our space. Help Redeemer's Church to get ready for those that you're sending, that you have assigned to Redeemer's Church before the foundation of the world. And Lord, help us to put in practice at the outreach, that we would love well, receive well. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing, I don't know everybody in the room, but if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I hope through the message you got a taste of who Jesus isn't. That Jesus is kind, he's compassionate, He's caring. He loves each and every person. And if you're in our midst, I don't know everybody, but if you're here this morning, here's the truth about following Jesus. All it starts with is a turn in the right direction. That's it. 
You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it, things memorized. And let me just tell you that you will never be ready enough to turn towards him. His grace is sufficient for all of the failures after you say yes. He knows they're coming because we're all human beings. So if you're in the room this morning, if I could just have every head bowed, every eye closed, I know we, that's, but if you're in the room this morning and you just want to say yes to Jesus, all it is is a seed and a fresh start where you have turned towards Jesus. You recognize your need to put your faith and trust in a God that is bigger than you. If, you, if it connected with you that you've been like, like her, where you've been looking in all of these different places trying to fix yourself, I encourage you to invite a God into your life that has the real solutions because he can change your heart. He can transform you from the inside out and you will never be able to see the world in, in the same way. And so if you're in the room this morning and you want to put your faith in Jesus, for the first time, or maybe you did younger and you just want to rededicate your life, will you just slip your hand up real quick so I can see you? It's all across the room. I want to give that opportunity. Thank you. Praise God. Lord, thank you that every person in this room is secure in the relationship with you. But God, I pray that you would now send us out into the world you saved us from with compassion. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.